I absolutely love this Sunday. To celebrate the resurrection with you, we've been at gravesides all year and four years. And to know that those tombs will open and the dead will rise and we'll walk with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth. That the grave is not the end for us. For a pastor, that's an exciting announcement. And I'm so glad you came out. Thanks for filling God's house. Hey, Abigail, we're not going to forget this day for a long time, are we, dear sister? I have to tell you, it was pretty cold in there. We will remember it. I'll make a deal with you. At the end of this service, if the Lord is stirring in your heart, and he's calling you to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're scared of warm water, cold water, I'll fix the baptistry for you. But don't be scared of your baptism. Like, let's pronounce the name of Christ. One thing I love, Abigail, about your baptism is that today I'm calling the entire church to rethink our faith, our Christianity, to ask if we've taken up a cross to follow Jesus. And your baptism gives us a great reminder that for every one of us who have been baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you went under that water, you were announcing that you shared in Jesus Christ. You were crucified with Christ. And the old you, with your sins, the old you that was governed by yourself, the old you, the you where you were in charge and God was not, that you, you willingly put on the cross with Christ and you consider him dead in the tomb with Jesus. And when you're Baptist, in your baptism, when you went under the water, you were announcing that you died to yourself. And when you came out of the water, you were announcing that with Christ, you're living a new life, this time with him in charge. So as this sermon goes on today, I want us to read from Matthew chapter 16. For three weeks, we've read from this passage where the disciples got their first real glimpse of Christianity. I, I've said it this way, the story we're reading today this was the moment Christianity was first envisioned. This is the day it was born. So up until this story, Jesus Christ had been healing and teaching. They'd seen people raised from the dead. They'd seen blind people get their eyes back, lame people get their legs back. They've seen demons cast out, and folks have gotten their futures back. They've seen 5,000 hungry mouths fed. They've seen nature calmed. Up until now, the disciples have seen Jesus do remarkable things but it was in this story, in Matthew 16, when he looks at them and says, well, who do people say that I am? Are they figuring it out yet? And Peter announces, we say that you're the Messiah. Jesus says, good job. And with that, they've understood who he was. But now they begin to understand for the first time that to be the Messiah means Jesus will take up a cross. And he'll empty a tomb. And he'll become the resurrection for us all. There's no such thing as real Christianity if Jesus is just a good teacher or a healer. If he's a miracle worker, that's great, but that's not who he came to be. Jesus Christ came to give us life and life beyond the grave. He came to give you, you back. He came to give you a version of you where you're not in charge and sin doesn't rule, but where he rules and where you can walk with God. And that can't happen without a cross and an empty tomb. If Christ doesn't die, then we're not freed. If Christ isn't raised, we're not alive. So today in this text, we're reading the story when the disciples first got the glimpse of real Christianity. And I'm calling everybody that gathered for this 1030 service to consider real Christianity. I want to ask you at the end of this service if you would consider making a super hard decision. If you're here today and you have asked for salvation in Christ, but you've really never given God the reins, you've never given him total control of your life, 
I want to ask you to change that today. I want to ask you today, would you take up a cross and follow Jesus? Would you, would you give Jesus everything that you've got left? A lot of us, we imagine Christianity to be one thing that we bring into our life alongside many other things. We think of Christianity as an addition to who we are. You know, it's something that makes us a little better. It's a belief system. It gives us a good reputation in town. It gives us some hope and some faith. That's not the Christianity that Jesus brought to the earth. Jesus came not so that we could add him to ourselves, but rather Jesus came so that we could die to ourselves and take up a brand new self, a Christian self, one where we follow Christ. And I'm asking everybody today to consider this one hard question. Will you give Jesus Christ all the years that you have left? And I don't care if you walked in today as a sinner or a saint. It's Easter Sunday and God is strong. I'm just asking us all the same question. Will you give God all the years that you have left? Because that is true Christianity. That's a hard thing to ask, so let me pray for you. Father, I ask that you allow myself first and all of us to consider the call of Christ on our life. Lord, that we would give our lives over to you. That we would ask not just for forgiveness, but Lord, that we would ask you to take control. That we wouldn't just come to you seeking forgiveness of our sins, but Lord, we would make you our Savior, our Lord. I know, Lord, that's hard for us, and I pray you give us courage where we don't have it. Father, I ask that you give us conviction that your Spirit would stir our hearts in a way that my words or my wit never could. Lord, I pray that you would speak straight through the sermon, right to our hearts and minds, that you would give us confidence that you're working in us and you'd change us. We ask your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Easter Sunday and we've come to celebrate a cross and an empty tomb. We celebrate that Jesus died on a cross to forgive us and then he emptied the tomb so that you and I could have an empty tomb one day. Life that goes on forever with God. But what I'm calling us to this morning is that I don't want us just to think about the cross that Christ died on. I want you to think about the cross he's calling you to. There are two crosses in this sermon. One was for Jesus and one is for you. And I want to ask you if you'll think about taking yours up today. Let's read Matthew 16, verse 24 and following. Four verses. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I wonder what the disciples thought of that. Well, you and I have got to pause for a minute. Today we use this term, this most often quoted statement of Jesus, take up your cross and follow me. We use it all the time, but I'm not sure that we use it correctly. For example, we might say, well, it's just my cross to bear. And we think that we're talking about a, a spouse that's a little tough to live with. And we say, well, you know, he's just my cross to bear. Or maybe we have an ailment or an infliction and we say, it's my cross to bear. Or work is just tough and you say, well, it's my, it is my cross to bear. That's not what Jesus meant when he told us to bear a cross. And so I want us to recover what he would have meant. If we start there, I know that you and I will wind up in the right place in this sermon. In the first century, when Jesus said, take up your cross, the disciples probably had an image of Jesus in their mind, of Christ literally walking through the streets of Jerusalem carrying a cross. They probably had an image like this. Now, the day they were at the retreat, he hadn't died yet. 
These words were confusing, a mystery. But in a few weeks, they would literally watch Jesus take up a cross, a real cross, and carry it through the streets of Jerusalem in a horrid parade as people mock him and ridicule him. And they know that Jesus will end up on that cross dead. In the first century, a cross was not a necklace or a tattoo. It wasn't stained glass, and we didn't decorate our kitchen walls with crosses. In the first century, a cross had one function, one only. That's where we died. And by the time Matthew wrote these words in his Gospels, the disciples had witnessed the death of Jesus on a cross. So when Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me and be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Well, that taking up the cross bit, that's hard. And especially when they knew what it meant. Here's what it probably meant for them. After they watched him die, and on Saturday while he's in the tomb, no doubt their minds were haunted thinking, wait a minute, he said, if you want to follow me, take up a cross. Today we're not healing the sick. We're not feeling the hungry. We're not walking on water. Today we're remembering a crucified Christ. Is he telling us that following him might end up the same way for us, that we might be on a cross. The disciples had to take a very serious gut check because Jesus wasn't telling them just to hang in there. He was literally letting them know that if they continued to follow him, they might die on a cross of their own. And guess what? Some of them did. And guess what? It was totally worth it for them. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you have to take up a cross. You've got to deny yourself. And I want us to think about what that means. That you and I might be willing to deny ourselves, take up a cross, and follow Jesus. And I'm telling you that if you are clinging to an old or poor version of faith, one where you just add God to yourself instead of giving yourself up to God, taking up a cross, dying to yourself, you are falling short of what God has in mind for you. And so let's consider what it is to take up a cross. And I'm going to ask you today, would you take up a cross? Would you die to yourself? Now, Jesus knew that this would be a hard thing to ask of his disciples. And so to encourage them a little bit, he followed this command by giving them a peculiar riddle and then a sharp little reminder And so that's all our sermon is going to be this morning. I want to ask you if you would take up your cross. Would you be willing to die to yourself? Would you give God control of all the years that you have left? Would you take yourself off the throne of your soul and let God sit there? Would you stop telling him the things you won't do and begin giving God total control of your life? And knowing that that's a hard thing for me to ask you, it's scary for me. No doubt it's scary for you. Can you imagine life without your addictions or sins? Can you imagine yourself at a point where you allow God to tell you what to do? You and I are wired up to say, listen, nobody's going to be the boss of me. And so for us to die to ourselves, to take up a cross and let Christ be Lord, that's a super hard thing for a pastor to ask you. And especially if you're a guest and you don't even know me. So I'm going to offer you what Jesus offered his disciples. I want to share his riddle, and I want to give you a pretty pointed reminder. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask all of you, would you consider taking up a cross, dying to yourself, and giving the rest of your years to allow Christ to be in charge of you? You willing to see what that looks like? Let's read the riddle. Verse 25. 
Jesus told the disciples this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus offers the disciples a pretty powerful little riddle. He says, any of you that want to save your life, in other words, you're going to watch me die on a cross, and you're going to consider for yourself, I am not doing that. Anybody that wants to save their life and run from me is going to lose it. Well, maybe saving your life for you doesn't look the same as the disciples. The disciples had to evaluate, would they really take up a cross if they were forced to? I understand, I haven't read the news threads very well, I hesitate to speak about things that I don't know, but I understood that there were many people killed in Sri Lanka this morning. Hotels and churches targeted and bombed on Easter morning as an announcement against Christianity. Martyrdom is real today as it was then. But for most of you, you're not going to face that. You're not going to face the real question of will you give your life for Christ all at one time. Rather, you're going to have to wrestle with the question of will you give your life to Christ a day at a time, every morning, putting Christ on the throne of your heart. Will you die to yourself daily, deny yourself and follow Jesus? This riddle, Jesus taught us that if you wish to save your life, you'll actually lose it. In other words, if you look at God and you say, I'm not in for a cross, I won't handle that. I'll run from a cross. If you look at God and say, I'm scared to make you in charge, I will not give you control of my life. And I've got a thousand reasons, things I don't want to give up, sins that I love, or maybe just cold, hard pride. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, not even God. If you wish to save your life for yourself, if you want to cling on to it and not give it to God, Jesus offers the back end of the riddle, and that is that you actually lose your life. You're going to find one day, when you get to the end of your life and you face the judgment, that you'll stand in front of God and you'll wish you'd changed your mind. You'll realize you wasted your life in your pride and in your sin. You ruined it. You fouled it up. You never became the person God wanted you to be because you didn't open your heart to His wonderful grace to the power of His Spirit. You didn't let God make you who God wanted you to be. You were determined to be your own man, your own woman. And in the process of clinging to your life, you never gave it to God and you wasted it. You actually lost it. So Jesus tells His disciples, I know it's a hard thing to ask, you know, that you would take up your cross, that you die to yourself. That's a tough thing. But I want you to know that if you refuse it, if you choose to be in control of your life until your death, you need to know that you're actually losing your life. You'll never, ever be who God wanted you to be. And when you stand before Christ in the age to come, you will have forfeited life that goes on and on in a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Cling to your life. And that's actually the only way for you really to lose it. And remarkably, Jesus teaches his church that if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. I've known thousands of men and women just like us who looked at the cross and wondered if they could do it. Could you really give God control of your life? It scares the devil out of you, literally. And you wonder, can you give your life to Christ? Can you take up a cross? I've known thousands of people just like me and you who are scared of that, who have done it. They gave their life to Christ. Just like Abigail, they walked through the waters of the baptistry 
to announce that they've died to themselves and they're raised to Christ forever. And they're glad they did. I've not known one person who regretted it. I haven't gathered for one funeral where somebody said, Paul Paul gave his life to Jesus and we just wish he hadn't. Jesus' little riddle, it shows you the path not just to eternal life, but to a life that matters. If you'll lose your life for Christ's sake, whether it's all at one time in a martyr's death, or whether you're dying daily and giving him control of your will, that's how you actually find your real life. I wonder, would you trade this one in? Would you trade this life in for a different one, a better one, an improved one? Would you trade this life in for a life that has more wisdom, more courage, more peace? Where God's Spirit is using you to bless your home, your spouse, your kids, your workplace? Would you trade an old you in for a new you? Because that's literally what Jesus is asking for. We've called these sermons the Great Exchange because Christianity is not a nice addition to you. It's an exchange. An old you where you are in charge for a new you where God's in charge. A you that was dead in sin for a you that will be alive to God forever. Christianity is no less than that. Listen, I know I live in the same country as you, the same state as you. I know the air we breathe. I know that we think that Christianity is just a religion where we gather on Sunday and we look nice, pat each other on the back, and have a little bit of hope for our funeral. But that's not the Christianity that Jesus died to create. Like He died to save us, that we would take up a cross like He did, that we would die to ourselves. Christianity began on the cross of Christ and with an empty tomb. And listen to me and learn from Abigail. Every one of us, when we were saved, when we were born again, when we started our Christian journey, every single one of us, if you started legitimately, you started in the same place as Jesus, with a cross and an empty tomb. You died to yourself and your baptism declared it. And you gave up control of your life to the living Christ. And rising out of that water, you clung with both fists to the hope of your resurrection. And you know that you have life eternal that nobody can take away. Can you imagine a new you right with God? A you where you're so secure in your identity in Christ that you're not subject to the whims of everybody else's opinion that you're suddenly immune to Facebook, where you're not swayed or moved by what people think about you anymore because Christ is controlling you. His opinion is the only one you care about. Can you imagine a you where you're not a slave to your sins or to the almighty dollar? Where you're not driven by the same dreams and hopes that pervade our culture, but you're free. You're free to live. You're free to have peace. You're free to make a difference. You're free to be human the way that God created you to be, an image bearer, a son and a daughter. Would you trade an old you in for that you? Because that's what it is to find your life in Christ. But there is no you. There is no new you. There is no empty tomb for you until there's a cross for you. You have to die to yourself, and that's a hard bargain, and I know it. But that's the cost of Christianity. It's absolutely free, but it does cost you everything. 
So Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up a cross, deny yourself and come after me. Knowing they'd have a hard time, he gave them the riddle. Listen, try, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. So just let go of it. If you'll give it to me, if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And he wraps up his little encouragement. After this riddle, he gives them a little bit of a reminder about the age to come. Let's read it, and I'll tell you what I think he means. Verse 26. He asks two questions. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus asks his disciples while they're wrestling with this question, will I take up my cross? He asks them a very simple question, a question I want to ask us today. He says, what good would it do you if you won at the game of life and lost at the game of eternal life? What good would it do you if you had everything in the kingdom of the earth but nothing in the kingdom of heaven? What good would it do you? What good would it do you to win the pageant, to be the starting pitcher? To make it on the college roster, what good would it do you? To have the best Facebook birthday party anybody has ever posted, what good would it do you? To have status in our community, what good would it do you to die rich? What good would it do you to build a new house? What good would it do you to get the promotion? What good would it do you to have two and a half kids at the cul-de-sac with the Suburban? What good would it do you if you got the whole American dream? And gave up your soul to get it. What good would it do you if you impressed us all and lost your soul in the process? Gave up the life you're supposed to have. Jesus asks his disciples while they wrestle with the question and Judas gets a little twitchy and he says, What good would it do you to gain this whole world? College scholarships. Notoriety, fame, and wealth. What good would it do you if you gained all of this, but you lost yourself? God created you with a soul. He placed His own life in you. You're the image of God. That's not to be wasted. It's precious. What good would it do you if you gained all of this and corrupted that? While they're chewing on that, he asks them one more question, kind of hard when he says, or what could a person give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is telling them in the riddle that if you cling to this world and to the life you want in the flesh, what you're losing is an eternal life that will last forever. If you hang on to the age we're in, you might miss the age to come. And here he says, what could a person give in exchange for their soul? I believe there is a God. Many of you do. I believe we'll face the judgment. Many of us do. I pray all of us do. And at the judgment seat of Christ, when we look at Jesus and He looks at us, and we realize that we rejected Him today and every day from here forward, when we realize that we did not make the great exchange, we did not give our lives to God in exchange for the life He wanted us to have, instead, we ignored him, avoided him. We told God to take a back seat, that nobody's going to tell us what to do. I am the boss of me. And then we stand there and we face the judgment. It's time to pay the piper. And we look at Christ and we realize we're guilty. We died in our trespasses and sins. We never let Jesus be our Lord. 
We chose to live for this world and we got exactly what we wanted, everything that we wanted, all of it for all of our life. And then we face him. And even if it went super well with you, even if you died rich and happy, and you stand there and look at Christ and you realize the reality of an eternal hell or a new heaven and a new earth where you'll walk with God and those that you love forever. You can't take out a stack of Benjamins and say, listen, Jesus, I realize I've wasted it. I know I rejected you down there. Let's just talk about this. What can I give you in exchange for my soul? I got a Cadillac down there. I got a nice, I got a nice beach house down there. How much will it cost you? I am stinking rich. What can I give you to get my soul back? And Jesus is laughing as he tells the disciples to remember, you can't give anything to bribe God for your soul back. If you waste it here, it's wasted. If you reject him here, it's done. And when you stand there and wish you could buy your way out of your stubborn pride, you can't. And so Jesus tells his disciples, listen, if you want this Christianity, if you want to follow me, it starts with a cross. And that will be way more clear in a few days when you watch me on my cross. But I'm telling everybody that would follow after me. As you imagine the waters of that baptism, they announced that I was crucified with Christ and yet I live. Buried with him in baptism into his death, raised into new life. And Jesus says, will you take up your cross? And he says, don't miss this. If you refuse this and you want to hang on to your life, it's the only way you really will lose it. What good would it do you if you gained it all and lost it? And what on earth could you give God in exchange for it when you stood in front of him? And with a sober reminder, Jesus calls us to a different kind of Christianity. A beautiful one that costs you everything but gives you everything in return. A counterfeit version of Christianity. Where you call God alongside to be your little helper. Where you come to church once in a while. And ask a preacher to promise the crowd that you made it to heaven when you die. He won't give you any peace. It won't save you. It doesn't adopt you into God's family. It doesn't restore to you your heavenly Father. It doesn't grant you grace and hope and love. It doesn't change anything on the inside. I don't want you to give, I don't want you to give in to some counterfeit version that doesn't cost you anything but doesn't give you anything. I'm asking you to take up your cross and die to yourself and enter into God's happiness. Live the rest of your life at peace with Him. Be filled with His Spirit. Love God, love your neighbor, be changed from the inside out. But that doesn't happen until we take up our cross. What could we give? What could we give? Nothing. But the good news is everything has already been paid if you'll just take it. I know it's a hard thing to think about. I want to share a brief story. There was a missionary who died in 1956, his name was Jim Elliott, and he died in South America in Ecuador because God gave him a vision of sharing the gospel with a people that had never been reached. He made some strides with them, but ultimately died in the middle of a conflict with them. They did take his life, and for no doubt for some people around him, maybe his mother, maybe a friend, maybe some pundit or a professor that taught him and saw his intelligence, they thought, oh, what a waste. 
But Jim Elliott, if he was alive back from the grave with us today, he would say, that was no waste. Are you kidding me? As the story goes forward, the gospel came back to the tribe and they accepted Jesus. No doubt, looking back on their own sins, and they were saved. And eternal life came to a village of people and souls were redeemed. Because one man gave his life. And here's a statement from his journal years before he died. 1949, reflecting on the Bible text from Luke that's the same as our passage in Matthew. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake, the same one shall save it. And he reflected on words that preachers have spoken before him and wrote in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I know we love this kingdom of the world and we love our flesh. But I'm calling you to reach out and love a heavenly God that lives on into the age to come and invites you to take up your cross and die to this so that you can gain that. I'm asking you to give up the life where you're in control of it and put him in control for the rest of your days. I'm asking you to march with me into the kingdom of heaven and stand at your judgment and hear Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm asking you today to take up your cross. I'm asking you to make the great exchange this Easter morning. To give up all of you for a you where God is in total control for all the years that you have left. You want to make him your savior. I'm asking you to make him your Lord. I pray that after this Sunday, the baptistry would be stirred a dozen times over. As you reflect on the conviction that God brings to your life and you say... Ben, I'm not saved. I've never asked Christ for salvation, but today I give him all I have. I'm asking you to make the great exchange. I'm asking you to trade a worthless, counterfeit version of Christianity where God is your little helper and the church is a warm religion. I'm asking you to change a good idea for a legitimate Christianity that will save your soul, to walk in the footsteps of a resurrected Jesus. I'm asking you to give your life to the real Christianity, the original one. Because it's the only one that has the power to save you. I'm asking everybody here, would you take up your cross so that one day you can march out of your empty tomb? As you've reflected on the things you've sung, on Abigail's baptism, on the sermon, I pray that God's stirring in your heart. And well, what do you do with it now? Very simply this. Search your soul for just a moment. If you're not in Christ, if you're far from God and you've never given your life to Jesus, but as you sit here today, it makes total sense to you and you're ready for that. If you feel God's Spirit stirring you, calling you, there's nothing you need to do except simply give your life to Christ. Pray a prayer right where you sit and mean it. No fancy words. Tell the Lord that you want to give your life to Him, that you're taking up your cross today. Ask Him. To forgive your sins. Ask Jesus Christ to save you. And you give him the rest of the years that you have. If you're lost, that's what I want you to do this Easter morning. And tell me about it so we can celebrate baptism. If you're a believer and you're part of a church family someplace. Ours or anybody's. I want to ask you, if you sit here and you realize that you've been sort of living a half-hearted version of Christianity. You have faith in Christ. Maybe saving faith, but... You've never taken up your cross. You really haven't died to yourself. You still are 
trying to be in charge of you, I'm asking you today to take up your cross and lay down control of your life and give it to King Jesus. And you can make that decision any way you choose. You mark on the back of that Connect to Carterville card. You can mark that you've rededicated your life. You can write your story in the prayers and questions comment section. You can flood the altars for prayer. I'm just asking that before we leave on the most sacred Sunday of the year, that you allow God's Spirit to do business in your heart and that you make your commitments to Him as He has made His commitment to you. Let's pray together and then I'll invite you to respond. Lord, I, I wish that I had the eyes to see Your Spirit moving in our sanctuary to know how You're convicting us and how You're stirring us and giving us clear thoughts or nudges, or prompting us. And God, I pray that in your great strength, Lord, you would swell and give us the courage to overcome our pride that holds us back. God, that you'd let us give you the rest of the years that we have left, that we would live out an authentic version of our faith, that we would follow King Jesus. I pray, God, that you grant us salvation this morning. For those who are calling out to you and whispering secret prayers, Lord, I pray that you would save them as you saved Abigail. And I pray, God, that you'd let us celebrate in the baptistry as we've celebrated today. That time and again we could show you what you've done in our lives. That we'd announce to the church your glory. Lord, for me and for my brothers and sisters like me that are in the church every Sunday, I pray, Lord, you grant us the wisdom and the courage, the conviction to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, to follow you until the day that we die with all that we have, Lord, to let you be in total control, that we would surrender our will, that we would live for your will, that if it seems foolish to our neighbors, we'd care only for your opinion. God, grant us the courage. We ask for that gift from you in the name of Jesus.